JP. Hello there. I'm WH Park. And we're back reviewing episode six of Andor, the Eye, as it's called. But first of all, how are you, mate? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty good. It's actually a rare day off for me on a Tuesday because I, I had to actually fill in for somebody at work yesterday. So I was like, well, can I have two day off? And they were like, Yeah. So we were supposed to schedule this yesterday, but mm. we I you were you're kind enough to to move it to today so i appreciate that thank you jp oh it's it's a pleasure mate as we'll get into this is this is hardly a hardship talking about this this episode of television but um but no that's good i've uh back in work waiting for half term whereby next week i'd like to think i'll be somewhat refreshed and everything else by that stage it's uh we're, we're living in a tory hellhole at the minute in this country as as you're no doubt aware um I would say it dates this podcast, but it really doesn't. If you're listening, no, to it at maybe any not point from 2010 onwards. But yes, we're here to recap and review episode six of uh, Andor, the Eye. Um, first of all, I mean, I've laid my cards down. I think this is the best episode of the series by far. But it was set up that way. What's your overall thoughts on it? I, I kind of have a hard time saying it's the best episode because I feel it's one long story. Like the story arc in particular feels like, like a big movie, like just broken up to three parts. So I would say this is obviously the climax of this arc, but I do think this, this arc is really good. This Aldani story arc that we're in, uh, that we've come to an end to. Um, I just think it sets so much up for the philosophy of star Wars especially yeah. of the the rebellion um especially epitomized by the character of nemec yeah and he's you know you, you didn't think this when you first meet nemec in in episode four but obviously he's going to be the catalyst for cassian's kind of you know becoming a believer mm. in the rebellion as opposed to just someone who's surviving on the fringes of society and just eking out whatever living he can stealing from the empire or whatever uh, side hustles and cons he's got running. Um, I I thought it was an amazing episode. Um, but I, again, I, I think to think of them like these, this story arc as one giant story, as opposed to something that's like, say like you're currently running the house, house of the dragon, which you can easily divide into episodes. Yeah. Um, but this is not, I think easily divided into episodes in that sense, like where I can say, because it's, it's you can't divorce it from the other two episodes of this of the story arc. So yeah, it is. It's it's a it's like its own, like you said before, it's its own Cassian Andor movie where it's like the Aldani heist, and that's really what it is. And and that's the theme of the episode. That's where we had we had kind of left episode five, where they were um, effectively scouting, waiting to put the plan into effect that everyone else had spent months on and he'd had three days to learn about. And it, it starts off as well. You mentioned about Nemec and uh, having the conversation with Cassian and talking about really his manifesto, uh, mm-hmm. the role of the mercenaries in the galactic struggle for freedom. It's a catchy title. Um, but yeah, um, he's, and he's talking about his conclusion about that. And, and this is where you're kind of, you're getting this, like, I think what I liked about this is I'm, I'm enjoying how it moves away from some of the tropes, but 
in particular, like at times, just creating this whole other world. The idea that this is effectively Dash Capital, really, for the for the rebels at this point, and it is this like kind of like somebody's decided to kind of create a kind of manifesto for everyone to follow by in the way of, of all great revolutions, isn't it? So, well, so is Nemec is Nemec kind of like the Karl Marx of, uh, of the rebel of star Wars or who's, who's the other one? I think someone mentioned Thomas Paine would, would be. Yes. So he's kind of like a Thomas Paine or, or Karl Marx of yeah. star Wars, which I, I think is, is wonderful. Um, yeah. I, I, I like the conversation, the opening scene because, it, it contrasts the two kind of viewpoints of people who hate the empire. One is like the, the idealist in Nemec. He's writing manifesto. He's very like, you know, he, he really thinks about the philosophical side of, you know, and kind of being very naive and talking like, like justice, freedom and, and things like that is like things that would exist without the empire. It's like, what you, did you really live in the old Republic? Cause like a lot of that shit was pretty bad too. You know, the empire just made it worse. Um, but, and then Cassian, he's just like, he has that line where he's like talking about uh, you're, you're half right about like the empire doesn't care. But when he's like, what am I wrong about? He's like, they're never going to learn because they don't, they don't have to. He's like, you, you and I mean nothing to the empire as, as individuals and we never, and probably never will. And then I like that. I just like this exchange. Like, I just think it's so well-written like Nemec's like, well, maybe they'll be feel different after today. And then Cassian just says. Be careful what you wish for. He's like he, he he knows like you don't want the full brunt of the empire's attention on you. Mm. You know yeah. you, you don't want that. And then there's that great line. He says, "Oh, like Nemex retorts with like so we should just eat their shit and be thankful." And then Cassian just leans in and just says, "Do I look thankful to you?" And it's just <laughs> great, just a yeah. great exchange and wonderful performances from 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 Diego Luna. And I forget the name of the actor who plays Nemec here. I'm gonna have to look that up. Uh, it is Alex Lawther who did you want did you ever watch black mirror no ah it's a quite a famous episode i want to say it's like the third or possibly fourth season and it's called shut up and dance i don't want to say anything more about it okay other than a kid is given instructions by mobile that he has to absolutely follow and i won't say anything more than that because i don't i don't want to give too much of a reveal but that was the last time i'd kind of seen him and i think it's is it um the end of the fucking world as well I think he might well be in that I've never seen. It says that here on his Wikipedia. Yes. Yeah. Uh, another, I mean, just again, we talked about the casting and like how mm. fortunate they are to like be casting so many people from, from the UK in this. I just think oh, it yeah. adds such a, I, I, I don't know, like a gravitas to a lot of the performances with these really classically trained actors in there. It's, I mean, especially as we'll get onto it, but the chieftain of the Aldani, David Heyman, who is kind of known as a as a kind of like well renowned theatre and um, and uh, film and television actor as well. So, and that's you know for like a, a relatively small part. But it's it's interesting you're saying about like the conversations because like obviously we're um, you know we learn about Taramin becoming a um, being like a stormtrooper, which kind of mm-hmm. makes sense about him leading that. About obviously with Cinta as well as her whole family was slaughtered by stormtroopers this is all revealed by skeen here who i think as well like the, the actor there has to have an absolute shout out um i was looking at is uh ebon moss uh Bachrach, who i knew nothing about and i think as as one of the very few americans cast in the series or certainly non 
non-British people. It, it like, I think he, he's like kind of does a tremendous job in this episode as well. But we're, you know, it's it like I say carries on that path of we're seeing them as people. We've had this time to kind of develop with them for the for the two episodes. So yeah, really good build up. I think he's I think it was you who said he's he's quite good in the the bear, which I've not watched. I've not seen the bear. Okay. Yet. Someone someone told me he's quite good in the yeah. the bear. So I've heard good things about the bear. But at the minute, my TV list is pretty full. It's going to require yeah. like something, you know, something big to kind of break into there. Um, at this point, you know, there's a radio going, so they're able to communicate with Vel, which becomes like obviously plays into the plot heavily uh, later on. And then we go over to Lieutenant Gorn, who um, effectively um, says that to the soldiers outside that they need to give the Dani a warm welcome in there, and you know, at this point, we also, you know, um, what was it? We also see Cassian and everyone else joining the ranks, dressed up as as rebel troopers, like kind but of imperial troopers. But it, it's yes. interesting. Like we we have not seen any stormtroopers. Yes, so far. Like um, the only reference to a stormtrooper is Terramin. Terramin, yeah. Like, and he. He doesn't wear, but none of these guys are stormtroopers, which mm. is interesting. I think there's a video explaining why we haven't seen stormtroopers yet in Endor, uh, and it's it's kind of reminiscent of like when in the part of Solo when he's on when mm. when Han's on the planet of uh, uh, Nibam, I think. Like he's a, he's an Imperial trooper. He's part of the Imperial Army, but he's not wearing a stormtrooper outfit. He's wearing mm. just like what these guys are wearing, basically uniform with some armor plating on it and a helmet. It's like why aren't these guys stormtroopers? I think they save stormtroopers for more important planets. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I think. It's like, yeah, we're not going to waste stormtroopers on this invasion and conquering type. Yeah, period. basically yeah. they're shock troops, right? It's in yeah. their name, stormtroopers. So I think they save stormtroopers for more important planets or or missions or campaigns mm. or things like that. Um, but it, it because like I think if they were dressed like stormtroopers, it would have made things a lot easier mm. for them for them to infiltrate, but. There you go. Uh, and we yeah, I, I, mm, sorry. So I, I do think it's, we get a lot of great, like some of these casts, you know, like these throwaway kind of dialogue scenes are mm. great because you, you get to learn so much. It's like, oh, okay, we find Terraman was a stormtrooper. Like you're saying, Sinta's family, she was not happy when, when he joined because like her family's killed by stormtroopers. And she, to her, she can't tell when one stormtrooper mm. is over the other. It's a parallel, it's a nice parallel too to like, you know Finn in The Force Awakens because he was a stormtrooper and yeah. like he left the ranks of the stormtroopers like Terramin did. I, I and it's it's interesting that you cast both like both actors playing these roles are are, are both black. Mm. I think it's really interesting. Like uh, kind of I don't know if there's any parallels, deliberate parallel set or it's just coincidence. But I think I think it's it's quite interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you know, and further to that point, I mean, we end up meeting um, Jay Horn. Who is the um, the man in charge here? Um, who is there with a an engineer? Um, I can't remember the engineer's name now. Uh, Colonel Pettigas. Oh no, and, uh, I'm trying to find him. He's he's that's Partigas is the leader of uh, the the ISB. Yeah, Stanley Townsend. Is he famous? I he isn't. I well, I thought I will have seen him on TV. 
It'll have been in loads of stuff. I just never would have realized. There'll be a whole list of kind of like TV credits and stuff. And going, yeah. Of course, he's that bloke. Um, but no, he isn't. I do recognize Jayhorn from an episode of Toast of London, sadly, Stanley Townsend. So there's the, uh, that's, that's, that's the only thing I can think of him in it is actually, um, is, is Toast, is Toast of London. But I know there's other stuff. He was playing a Muhammad El Fire type character going well off track here. But he gives, like, you talk about the scenes where, like, you know, it's very dialogue heavy. It's not action heavy, even at these points. And we get, obviously, plenty of action coming up. Um, but the conversation about about the Eldani and what they end up, uh, what he ends up saying about how they've managed to, it used to be 15,000 going up to the fields, you know, the whole kind of, even the process when he goes out there with his wife and son to meet them. And you sort of, you know, you're seeing these moments of, you know, he's not going to be in this for very long, but it still shows you he's got a family life and there's dynamics at home. And they're talking about effectively with the Aldani colonialization is like the kind of bigger, you know, the idea of this um, invading army coming in, taking over, like kind of swiping natural resources and lands that would have been considered sacred as, you know, would have happened in within many indigenous communities around the world. And you've got all of that going on here, you know, and it could be easy to write them off as kind of like effectively space hippies. But I think they give it that bit more gravitas by spending that bit longer kind of building it up. The fact that Gorn had fell in love with a um, an Aldani woman as well. Like just all of these moments of kind of really good characterization and world building. There's a lot of, you know, obviously the, the exchange of, of the pelts as part yes. of the ceremony is very suggestive of like, you know, co- you know colonialist stealing land from Native Americans, Native mm-hmm. Canadians, and other indigenous people around the world. Um, the, the way they're costumed, the Aldani are costumed, is, 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 is a nice mix of, like, I think, like, kind of mountain folk in, like, Asia, the, you, mm-hmm. know, na- you know, maybe Native to North America and South America, as well as kind of a European feel as well to it as yeah. well. There's elements, like, so it's, 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 it's all that kind of a blending of the costuming mm-hmm. of, like, different, earth cultures to create kind of like this own unique star Wars culture. I, I, I which I think is great. Um, it, and the, the cast is very diverse of the Aldani. Like you see people of different colors in there. Uh, they're not all just white people or anything like that. You see some, I, I believe some native. But everyone people. looks seventies. That's yeah. the, okay. the perfection, the haircuts, like Taramin's yeah. haircut and I was mustaches. I was like, Oh, this is glorious. Yes, we have to remember Star Wars, the original series, the first movie was made in the 70s. So, like, everyone's going to have it's like Rogue One with like all the the X Wing pilots are all like they look like they're from like 19, you know, 60s or 1950s, like World War II, like a film shot shot in England in 1950s, like some of these classic with actors with British accents and stuff like that. It's great. I I love that call to detail too. Um, There, yeah, I just, learning about the actually seeing the Aldani people and mm. not just like, you know, our rebel, our rebel heist people like dress like them. We see what they actually look like and they have their own language and their own customs. And I, I love when you have writers who just put so much thought into this and like the production mm. people who are like, okay, what does their language sound like? Okay. Let's create a language for them. Let's create what their the costuming would look like for people who live in like a mountainous, region that's probably pretty cold at night and and it's probably settled in the scottish islands so there you go 
I have a feeling that they must have been filming this part in the Scottish Highlands. It's the only place when looking at the at the locations that they filmed in. But um, yeah, and it, it comes to a head like with the, the scene we talked about, um, Lieutenant Jayhorn, uh, sorry, not Lieutenant Jayhorn, I think it's Commander Jayhorn, when he goes down to meet the Eldani, who he doesn't want to see. No. You see his wife and family and he, you know, threatens to give the, his son a slap because he's 12 years old and doesn't want to go to this type of thing. And they have a ceremonial kind of like passing of pelts which the chieftain of the Aldani later on just chucks into the fire. Like yeah. and you can see the kind of disgust that he has to go through this process, but he realizes without it, it's just going to end up in violence. So there's like, he's kind of, his hand is entirely forced on it. It's a great um, line. Our ghosts have long, long memories or mm. long hands or something like that. Basically, you know, it's like another parable. Like we hear, like we mm. heard from skiing, like the axe forgets, but the tree remembers. And, you know, the, the chief of the Aldani is just saying like, well, we'll remember you. Don't worry. Yeah. You know, I mean, not us personally, but our ghosts will remember you. Like it's just this idea that the, 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 the trauma of the empire will linger mm. on for a long time. And it's basically, he's, he's hinting at the fermenting of like maybe a rebellion on the planet of Aldani itself against the empire. Mm. yeah and we have um after this like after we we kind of introduced the aldani proper we are also seeing vel sneaking into the water uh with Sinter as as well uh going on which is and at this point in time uh gorn decides he's sending the four um the four rebels as the uh to accompany the commander back up into um Back up into the into the yeah into the building, at which point, as soon as they get him inside, that's when they turn and the yeah. guns and the guns come out and the heist is on proper. I gotta say, there's like one point where you know they're trying to contact Bell and like you know like they, mm, the clone names yes. Echo One Valley One, and there's a delay because I God believe God. Bell has a, is scared of heights. And she doesn't want to go down, rappelling down that wall that she, to get into the water. And like, since it's like, we got to go, just go, just go. It's like, and like, I can't think of any other reason other than she's scared of heights. <laughs> she's kind of hesitant to go down there. And I'm like, hey, you know what? If I was her, like me, the real me, I would be scared too, because I hate heights yeah. and that would scare the shit out of me. I'm with you on that. I'm scared shitless of heights. I can't be dealing with it whatsoever in there. But it's, again, it's a, you know, it's a good moment. We have a kind of interfering as well with the radio, which I think is if possibly if there is a kind of issue I've got from a plot perspective is how that kind of remedies itself. I'm not sure if it makes complete sense necessarily that they're able to, to kind of jack. It's like, they're not going to be able to hear it and they're fried, but somehow they managed to, but, but anyhow, we've got them. Yeah. Travailing their way in. They've pulled the guns out. However, you've, you've mentioned him before. But, um, and I'm just getting him up on here, if I can find his name on there. Colonel Pettigar has his, he manages to pull his gun out and he's, he's pointing it. Um, is it Hemic at this point? It is. Yeah. Nemec. Yes, he's pointing it at Nemec. And then we see Sinta managing to come in and shoot them, at which point. Well, he. it's interesting because he's like saying, just let the boy go. He's not mm. telling them to put down the weapons, surrender to the might of the empire. And they, like he, he's, he actually has a very, like, because he's way out of like, he's outnumbered. Like, there's very little yeah. choice, chance that he's going to survive this. But he's, he doesn't want, he doesn't pull his gun for selfish reasons. He's mm. like, let the kid go, 
like you don't like let him go let him go like it's it's all it's very selfless act which i think is great because like you can't just assume everyone in the empire is evil like you know yeah. a lot of them are but not all of them would be evil yeah. you know Fair he's dude. probably he's probably evil in his own way but he's also like well listen don't hurt what does an innocent kid have to do with this this becomes like the discussion from clerks effectively isn't it with this where he's an engineer he's there to do a job and somehow he's he's tied up with some was it some left-wing radicals who decide to blow up so he's talking about the people who was it have you seen you've seen clerks before. yeah yeah really, yeah um and I, I i i'm kind of reminded by that but there's also again a really interesting like kind of tonal shift here because they're threatening like unarmed civilians and you're thinking to yourself like the possibility of killing them like they're game for they would have prepared for this to be be the case they may you know they will have known that they would be there and i still think there is that kind of it's not like they treat the wife and son in any particular way that's different from anyone else like they just kind of you know so it's that dynamic of like this is what they're prepared to do and that's not something you see when you know one of the things you'd say with with star wars a lot of the characters are very moral and just yeah but you're not seeing that, that kind of this is what you'll do in these kind of desperate situations. Well, we, we saw this in like Rogue One with mm. you know, Cassian shooting an ally at the beginning of that film because he wouldn't be able to get away from the stormtroopers and he can't let this guy talk to mm. the Imperial forces. So he shoots him like and he doesn't like that's something he 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 had to do to protect the sanctity of his mission because fighting the Empire is the most important thing. And it's like in that film, we see like that journey of him, you know, kind of like climbing out of it with the help of Generoso's character. Mm. And I think this is where we, you know, like I, what I like about this show is like we see like the seeds of that character planted here. Like, you know, he's already kind of really toughened and hardened as a criminal kind of already. But like we're going to see him go maybe even further and like he, he pointing guns at kids and and like unarmed, you know, civilians is not a problem for him um mm -hmm. so or any of them like but they i you know i think if it came to a point where you, you the you know their bluff was being called i don't think anyone would have actually shot the kid you know might have shot the wife but not the kid you know like Sinta might have shot the wife like because she seems the most hardened i think i think i don't think there's yeah, the last we're seeing of her right i think there's a shot in one of the in some of the trailers where we, she's she's on aldani she sees a, a star destroyer pass over so I think she's not the last we see of her. So she gets away clean, basically, at the end of this episode. And that's and that's the thing about this plan, because what we do now is at this point, once they, they shoot Pettigar is, and they tell Jay Horn effectively, they call his bluff that he can't open up the vault, whereas they know they can because Lieutenant Gorn has, has said, has given the information. You end up in like the heist proper, which isn't, it's, it's a standard heist. It feels like what a bank robbery would be. Mm -hmm. You've got like 14, they have like 14 minutes to kind of get in and out. They, um, when they open the vault and you just see sort of the, the rolls of what looked like effectively gold, um, like casino chips, or yes. something along those, those lines. Credits. Um, this is, I think credit. when I can't recall seeing the depiction of actual, you know, Star Wars credits on Moss, like, like this scene. Well, the, the soldiers are playing, well, the, the people who are working by the vault, who aren't out watching the eye because it's like a, a very much a skeleton crew because everyone is out as I've explained in previous episodes. They've got some credits when they're yeah, playing yeah. the card game. It is. Yeah, um, I think also probably in solo we've seen it, but like I'm I'm talking like like this amount of money 
it's yeah. like it's, it's like wow to see it like in that form like that much together is like pretty i think they're playing sabak by the way yeah you're right which is like the famous card game in, in star wars which is very popular <laughs> this is how han solo gets the millennium falcon from when yeah. the in uh is playing sabak so it's like I, those are those details where it's like hey this is like a a really cool sci-fi heist movie wait it's star wars because they're playing sabak and there's another couple other moments like that where like i'm reminded that i'm watching star wars and it's just such a, the greatest feeling to see something like this good and it's like oh it's star it's 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 star wars too that's awesome it's and it, it i mean and it's funny because the heist is very un-star wars as you would imagine it to be. Mm. Well, I mean, you say that actually. I mean, it, it, the, so Sinter's up on the deck, keeping an eye on some of the hostages and making sure to, I think, to, to switch off the comms and switch off the the overall kind of. Because uh, they have to be careful about the yeah. the, the Alkani base, which is where the the Imperial garrison is, which is yeah. where the Tie Fighters are, and we see them later. Obviously, and that would be the other moment is when the Tie Fighters appear. We'll get to that, but, um, but this is this yeah. is great. They because they just. You know, they their plan is to just get as it's not to get all the money. It's just get as much money as yeah. they can get on board the ship with the help of the crew. The, I think they're they're the crew, but also guards, the imperial do guards you, that are working there. Do you have supermarket sweep? Uh, game I, show? I've seen. I think I've seen something like this, uh, but we. I I I couldn't tell you if we actually have our own version here or not. It's very much that, just with credits. And rolls and rolls of them. And except they're not pulling, if you're being forced at gunpoint to do someone else's shopping, as the situation is here. Because they're quite canny in that, aren't they? Using It makes sense to to use them to to rob the place. But it, yeah. has, the, it has the kind of like traditional casino heist vibe to it. If you're going to um, rob It's a interesting. Casino. They don't have like, you know, like, I guess, service droids or, or like heavy lifting droids. Because mm. I think they would just like hijack those and just make them do it. But... Budget cutbacks, just throw uh, that out there. It, for for by the Imperials, probably. Yeah, yeah. You you guys don't get the the droids. You do all the heavy lifting yeah. yourselves. Probably yeah. just got like those mouse droids that roll around and do, you know, basic maintenance and stuff like that, like vacuuming or something. It's uh, and you know as soon as the um the base is like sort of plunged in the darkness, we end up seeing that the you know they've realized uh, there's a guy who's up in in one of the one of the centuries and he's he's uh, he's got the radio there and he realizes that they've been hacked and manages to listen to the communication between vel and uh and Sinter. and so at that point they burst in as the robbery's going on and we end up in a in a uh, a firefight in which gorn is uh, first of all killed um we have a situation then. I think this is like the first kind of foreshadowing. I didn't realize it at the time. It was only when watching it again. But the death of Taramin, who yells, cover me, to uh, Skeen, who doesn't like cover him. He, he, he does a couple of shots and then tucks himself back in, at which point Taramin is shot um, uh, from above. Uh, then we've got Vel there as well, Nemec, and then there's a sort of burly guy who's clearly had eyes for having a fight with Cassian, who's been getting the ship ready, which is his role uh, the entire time, um, getting that ready for them to go. They have a bit of a set two, of which then Nemec manage, manages to shoot him. Um, and, you know, you have a whole big, you know, they manage to close up in there with Nemec's scheme, uh, Vel and Cassian uh, 
flying the ship as they're prepared to go out. And because the way that it works in terms of the ship going out, a load of the credits fall back and and kind of crush Nemec, who's there, who ends up being dragged out but can't feel his legs. And this, and I haven't mentioned it at all at this point, we have seen it, but this is where we do get to see the eye and the interactive experience of yeah. the eye as well. The the uh, sort of spectacular event. And what did you make of it? Because this is the big FX heavy part of the show. I thought it was great. I I mean, I I would one day like to go see the Aurora Borealis in the mm. northern part of Canada at some point, like go up to like the Northwest Territories or Yellowstone and, and experience in, in the winter because you got to experience the, the, you know, minus 40 degrees Celsius weather, of course, as well. Yeah. But I, I would love to do like go to a cabin, rent a cabin up there or something, some, like resort or something like that. I have a feeling you're much more prepared. You'd be much yeah. more conditioned for that than uh, I would. Yeah. But and then just watch the Northern Lights, and I feel like this is kind of like you know Star Wars version of like what the what seeing the Northern Lights might be like. Like it's 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 it's, it's a religious experience for the Aldani and and, and including the this the, the troopers that are are watching over them. They're just transfixed by this experience, and but for but for Cassian, he doesn't care. You know, it's 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 like it's an obstacle in his way because yeah. he's got all this. He wants to complete his mission. And for them, it's and it's their cover. It's how they're going to escape, because we we do see like in response to this heist, like the the Alcani garrison base. I was like, there's something wrong. We got to go out there right now. And they we see three TIE fighters. And it's great. We see how they get into their TIE fighters. We see Imperial TIE fighter pilots, which is like, can I just say? Imperial Tie Fighter pilots. If I was ever going to do Star Wars cosplay as a, as a as a stormtrooper, I wouldn't do a stormtrooper. I would do an Imperial Tie Fighter pilot because they're so fucking cool. Yeah, they do look probably. There's a big kind of heavy, I would say, Top Gun vibe to them as well there. But it is it's great because it it gives it a little caption, doesn't it, of Alcani? Yeah, and you you it doesn't need to do that, but it does and, do that. And, and we see how they prep. To, yeah. to watch the tie fighters they like flipping all this and i i can i just tactile switches buttons there's no like touch screens yeah. really it's great it's it's so star wars like why why would we assume like a, in a galaxy in another galaxy this is you know like they would all have like touch screens or holographic you know like iron man level technology that we see in the mcu of course no they, it's very possible like it's tactile it's know. like watchmen you know the the brilliant hbo series and the idea of this like the internet never becoming being something that's invented you know it's a case where it's it's landlines and um and uh what do you call them my not buzzers what would they oh beepers beepers pages yeah, pages pages and you know the idea that they they that that isn't a technology that's there and society manages to still kind of it manages to function and exist um but yeah it's i, I mean the sequence here that we have with um, Nemec giving kind of directions because he, he he can't tell him where to go. I think he, he he so he tells him to go to go to go right up. So he's right in the middle of the eye. Which for those of you who haven't seen it, just massive like what effectively look like um, comic like kind of mini meteors, kind of yeah, mini meteors, which an entirely like kind of brightly coloured. Um, just going across the sky. It is like a, it's, it's where visuals are at their best because it is very, very good, but it's not like kind of ridiculous. You've been built up for a couple of episodes that this needs to be spectacular enough 
that it's going to have the attention of everyone. And they deliver with that. Yeah. And it also then provides the cover as they're trying to get away from the TIE fighters as well and dipping up, uh, going all the way up above it and then going down. Um, and all the while, the, the three TIE fighters then end up destroyed because it appears to be like a, effectively just the um, the G-Force ends up kind of like crushing them. The TIE fighters themselves can't handle going up, getting up that They high. can't maneuver around the, 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 the meteorites kind of because like the purpose of Nemec um is that he can use this old technology that is not affected by the i guess the the radiation of the eye being flying through the eye whereas like you see like the storm the, the tie fighter pilots they cannot use their instrumentation mm. it's all scrambled and they're not used to necessarily using just line of sight flying i suppose necessarily and and but you need also need some kind of instrumentation that is not that is kind of older that is not mm. like more low tech is better in this case and that, that Nemec is knows how to use low tech and he makes a point when we first meet Nemec and he's talking to Cassian he makes a point of like the empire wants us to rely on their technology to take away our freedoms that's why I like this 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 kind of navigation device because it's old school and like you 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 don't need to rely on things that are too high tech that are you know would seemingly be like you know top of the line with with imperial technology but it doesn't help them regardless because they're able to get they're able to elude three tie fighters you know with top of the top of the line sensors and, and because in in a hauler in basically a truck you know because they can they have a lower level of technology that's going to you know help them evade the empire which is kind of like the philosophy yeah. of the empire of the, the, the rebellion because like you know they're the tie tie fighter like the x-wing fighters are are kind of like old school you know fighters hold on a sec sorry just had to uh That's sort out right. my uh, dinner later there well you have to it's the most important meal of the day don't you don't uh, need to be apologizing for that uh but uh yeah the it's kind of like the philosophy of the rebellion isn't it like mm -hmm. using like more kind of outdated technology to fight because that's what's at hand like type x-wing fighters are top of the line but at the same time they're kind of you know like there is a this idea that they're like kind of older style fighters that that are like older than than tie fighters are and this is where we get back to the kind of real world allegories. If you're thinking of like insurgencies in, in countries, whether it's like say the Viet Cong in the Vietnam war where, or in Afghanistan, where you're using conditions and the terrain to kind of suit it. And you're able to think that bit more freely. Whereas within a rigid bureaucracy and a certain way of doing it, it's like you can do the overwhelming might thing, but it doesn't really work. So they, you know, the thing they had to take into consideration that they have to, you know, once they're in the eye, that effectively, as long as they've got a pilot who's good enough um, to go along with it, they're going to be able to escape. And you know, in fairness to them, I think it's it's it was different to what I expected the heist to be because it was a lot more generally lo-fi. But I think it's all the better for it. And as something that like you were waiting to see what it was, it built it up for two episodes. I think they delivered. Oh. I, I have no like I have no uh, you know complaints about it because I was feeling the tension of are they going to succeed? Obviously they are. 
I mean, mm. that, that it's like, who's not going to survive? That's kind of the tension that you're going to, the tension is. And it's like every pretty much from the moment it starts, it's like, okay, now I'm tense. Like, cause you know, you know, he's going to die. You, you just know he's going to die, but you really want Nemec to survive. You do. I mean, they've given him a med. Vel gives him a, a med spike, like while while they're um, while they're escaping, and there's a point where Skeen convinces them all they need to go to the doctor because you know the kid is the reason why they're all here, why they're doing it, and they take him to the doctor, which is and again, you know, this is one of the few sort of special effects characters who are who are there but the doctor and it makes sense who uh they've taken them to and they've and they've taken a kind of pit stop um has got four arms yeah and his, his name is uh dr quadpaw quadpaw yes, he's right. cracking like you know right. if you're in a if you're if you're in a bind he's definitely the the guy to go and see um but as that's going on skeen has a conversation outside with uh with cassian where basically proposes to him that you know he's lied about a lot of his story and that there's approximately 80 million in credits there 40 million each which then would explain why he doesn't decide to actually cover taramin because that's one less person to have to deal with or share it with and i think he sees obviously he sees cassian as being like-minded to him as well um but yes he has that proposition and then as he starts to go through his uh, his plan and he thinks um, Cassian's going to go along with it, he pulls a gun on him and shoots him halfway mm. through. Um, and this happens at the same time that Nemec dies. And then we have a sequence where Andor goes in. Vel thinks, obviously, he's there to kind of rob them blind. And he says, actually, I just want my cut. And he offers to buy Dr. Quapa if I've said his name right, and decides to, um, uh, he wants to buy his ship in order to escape from there. Just take his his 200,000 and disappear. Um, and at this point, you know, she just, she says, okay, gives him, um, says, Nemec wanted you to have his manifesto, which again, when you spoke earlier on WH about the seeds of this, um, the seeds of of Cassian Andor's sort of transformation into a true believer. It's like he has been literally given a holy book from someone who has um, died to save the sins of the entire galaxy to to rescue them. If we can go into more sort of Christ like stuff, I I hope this book is passed on to uh, Princess Leia in, in uh, you know it's somehow first, don't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you know, because she seems like she'd be the kind of person, like as she grows older, that would find this manifesto and like, oh my God, this is everything I believe in, you know? Like, she seems like the dynamic type of rebel, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's the way that this is done. I mean, it makes sense with Skeen and that he would have lied all the stories about why he said he was there and to do with his brother and, and such like as well. It makes sense for that. And like you're waiting for the kind of the idea that everyone's going to kind of betray themselves, but it just shows what a good man and Andor is. And you know, Nemec is mm, he's smart. smart. He's smart. It's like he he knows like okay, if I don't kill Skeen, there's a good chance he's going to kill me. Yeah, yeah. Because and that's uh, the way it works. Wherever they go, he's going to shoot him. So he has the eighty million. Because why leave a witness? 
yeah, he's gonna kill Fel. He's gonna probably kill the doctor. So he's like, like he's he for all his you know I guess kind of foibles, he is very honorable man like mm. Cassian. So like he tells her like, listen, I killed him. Oh, and she doesn't believe that scheme was gonna you know would do that. Like he would he would try to leave take the money for himself and leave them. And he's like, you have to really think about this because um, like I think in Cassian's life, he's just dealt with so many like underhanded scummy people who are untrustworthy yeah. and he he's seen people like skeen you know and like he and you know like he's also like he recognizes all this all his prison tattoos and it's it's like okay you know like i know what you're i know how this is gonna go if i don't take you out you're gonna kill me and bell yeah. and like and cassie says i'm just gonna take the money i'm owed which is two hundred thousand. he's gonna give 30 of that to, to the doctor take it whatever ship he has in the barn I, th- I just love that idea. Like, hey, how much for the car? Your car? Yeah, I'll give you this much money. It's double what it's worth. And it, and he seems the Doctor Quadpaw seems a little offended by. Wow, how dare you? It's it's like I'm reminded of the Doctor and John Wick that he uh, that he that he goes to see as well. And and it's this idea you're kind of bartering with this kind of like a legal I mean, illegal Doctor. It's kind of it's. I mean, it's, again, it's a movie trope, but it's yeah. one that I always kind of enjoy. Um, Played by the the keymaker in the Matrix Revolution Re- Reloaded. Yes, yes, the Doctor and John Wick, Part Three, I believe. Yeah. Um. I'm by the way, I'm looking at the Doctor Quadpaw's actor. His name <laughs> is Aiden Cook. He's been in quite a few. He's 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 in Rogue One as uh, the character of Two Tubes Benthic, one of the uh, Saw Gerrera's top lieutenants in the the Partisans. Uh, and he's been in, he's a character called Bulio in the rise of Skywalker. He's also played many uh, different characters in Dr. Who, including a Zygon and a Cyberman. So he, this, this, uh, uh, yes. Uh, Aiden cook has a lot of experience wearing a lot of makeup. Yeah. He's, do- he's doing all right for himself, isn't he? I mean, he's, he's certainly like, he's a big part of star Wars. He appears to be all over that. He's made sure he's a, my God, he's probably got his more, more appearances than than like Mark Hamill, really. Uh, at this point, with him, he's, he's just taking over. Um, we then switch away. We end up with you know we switch away and then we go to Coruscant, and the first person we see is Mon Mothma. Yes, in the Senate, in a very empty looking Senate. <laughs> very empty looking. Senate. It, it kind of looked like half the arena of like. Uh, uh, AW's Dynamite in Chicago when I and, and Rampage when I was there live and it's like okay this half's full, pretty full this half's empty that's kind of what the Senate looked like. Well, it, it's livelier than a rampage rampage taping by the uh, but certainly by the sounds of it. But it, in some ways, I think that's what politics is when they're discussing stuff that is probably seen in terms of the um, the Gorman um, uh, when her standing up for for Gorman rights. It's probably seen as this low key minority issue that most members of the senate aren't going to turn up for as you see that happens in the house of commons here um where you just have people sort of effectively feels like they're kind of talking to themselves but we have this here and as she's talking she notices that people are distracted and she checks the news at which point you know we then cut to the um to luthan's antique dealership where and I think this is another, like, I, I was reading about this, what was, um, that there's an item from the planet Deveron, um, which is the homeworld of the Deveronians. Do you know about, do you know about these guys? Yeah, so they're like the devil-looking characters in Star Wars. You see one in A New Hope in the Cantina, Mos Eisley. 
you see um who is it i think it's uh what's his name um clancy jones clancy brown clancy brown clancy brown clancy brown who is the you know like the evil bad guy in the first highlander movie which oddly enough casts a frenchman as a scottish person and a scottish person as an as a spaniard uh it's it's very fascinating that uh but uh yes he plays a devaronian in there and they're like yeah they're they're quite quite popular in the comics some characters are devaronians in the comics uh that are yeah so that they have like i like these little references to to like star wars planets that we've heard we've mm. heard of before you know like deveron or like if they mentioned the planet zeltron or oh this is like a undersea uh you know rare undersea seashell from the planet dac which is like the home of the mon calamari that that'd be you know that'd be nice to hear something like that as well <coughs> but i mean like even like Luthen rail's starship is, mm. is is from fondor which is like in the the uh battle i think battlefront video game with mm. inferno squad like that's that's a ship that's a different shipyard to the ones that kuat and and some other more famous shipyards that we hear about in in star wars so um that they made this this ship that luthan rail we're gonna see more of i can't i can't wait like i love this yeah. ship we're gonna well, see more of this ship is was is from this shipyard versus like it's from corellia or 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 kuat is is really nice little touch for adding to star wars lore oh we we're definitely seeing that ship and, and i agree with you i think that's it's an interesting role a very deliberate role where you've got him as someone who has to know about the universe which kind of then feeds into pos- like his inspiration for wanting to be part of the rebellion and knowing about lots of these places and your theory which you were saying from day one that he's a he's a uh, a jedi in in hiding um uh but we do see him in a very sort of human way because as he's showing um one of the customers the um devorian kind of necklace where no one knows the language so it can be what it can mean whatever you want the inscription to mean um he's asked if he's got anything from aldani which takes him by surprise and it's um it's either the guy's kind you know either the other customer's partner whoever but says there's a big rebel attack so there's already the idea of a rebel yeah something that's still even a bit possibly in its in its infantry but we we it's, have it's a rebellion that. like there's rebel cells mm-hmm. you know this much there's rebel cells there's different kind of versions of the rebels like we have saw Guerrero's yeah. version of the rebels which are more kind of extremists and, and terrorists like um do you have like the the rebellion the like the rebellion i think remnants of the separatist movement yes. are still around because we hear mention of like cassian mentioned them to luthan rail um but it's pockets there is a rebellion going on but it's not the alliance. It's not, it's not the rebel. What we con- what we consider to be the the, the rebel alliance. alliance, right? Yeah. So yet, because for that to happen, I think like Mon Mothma has to become its kind of head of its state, the state of yeah. of the of the alliance to to oppose the the, the empire like you know, politically. And um, we've seen her reaction of sort of you know uh, of it coming through. We see Luthen's reaction at the very very end with him bursting out laugh, laughing like the kind of sense of relief that they've managed to do this and that the empire has taken a big hit however we do see just before then we have um we go over to the imperial security bureau where major partagas um calls everyone um in all of the all of the middle management 
and says they're going to be there at midnight for a presentation. They're not going anywhere. Um, and effectively um, want to know what the fuck has happened. Yeah. So we're going to be seeing a response and it's very clear that it's going to be brutal and they're not going to be playing games on this one. I, I would love if we just got a cameo from Grandma Tarkin as yeah. giving a presentation. It's him, like, which would make the most sense. It wouldn't necessarily be Vader or the Emperor. I think it would be to like, Grand Moff Tarkin, where Tarkin's like, because he's pretty much the military leader of the of of the, yes. of the Empire, right? So, whereas like Darth Vader's more the enforcer, I think with with yeah. Tarkin's death in New Hope, Vader becomes the military leader of the Empire, as well as like being the Emperor's like enforcer. Mm. Um, but but at this point, still still I think it'd still be Tarkin. It it's like Grand Moff Tarkin is very much like the highest ranking kind of bureaucrat. Yeah, of everyone in there. So, it's but he because like, he started out in the army in the military yeah. of the Republic, um, which we yeah. see in the Clone Wars cartoon. Oh, yes, that he's also a military leader as well. Like he has military powers. Like he can he can command troops and he can order around admirals and generals and things like that. It's why like he is in a higher position to like in Rogue One. We see higher position to, you know, Orson Krennic. Uh, who's a director of the development of the Star Star, but you know, Tarkin just says, I'm taking over because you have yeah. not a you're not a military leader. I am. So and if he go. does make and if he does make an appearance, I think it's the technology is as such as we saw in season two of The Mandalorian, where they can do a a, a kind of a, a very credible version of Peter Cushing. Yeah. As, as Grand Moff Tarkin. Especially so, it's just like on a on a hollow screen. Like in the, yeah. you know, that, that you could you could easily do it and just get away. Yeah, who, the right. people like Grandma Tarkin was a great addition to Rogue One. I think the the actor yeah. and the technology they used to to bring that character to life in Rogue One was was fantastic. I don't really see too many flaws with it. The more the the, the you know like Princess Leia is a little bit more wonkier for her even for her short appearances because they mm. obviously spent all the money on Tarkin because they had to. Yeah. So yeah. Hey. And that brought, brings us to the to the end of the episode. The eye. Do you have any 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 thoughts on that kind of end sequence? Where we are next week? What? Do you, where do you think we're going from here? It's kind of up in the air, isn't it? Because like Cassian says, "I'm out. Like I did my bit. I'm taking my cut, and I'm out. You can do whatever the rest." But like you know, I've watched the the trailers mm. for the for the entire series, and like we haven't seen the last of Vel. We haven't seen the last of Cinta. Um, so Vel's. Vel's going to show up again. Yeah, um, I, I think probably on a in a different role, working for Luthen Rail. Like yeah. obviously, we're going to see more of Luthen Rail. There is like two sequences like that are going to be in future story arcs. One is on back on Ferrix, and I'm I'm assuming my guess is that that sequence is going to be the the last story arc because uh, it would make more sense to start there and then end there, like mm. to kind of uh, um, bookend. The, yeah. the the series with like start like beginning on Ferrix and going back to Ferrix. And then I there's a scene, there's like a sequence, like a story arc seemingly where he's breaking into a prison or he's in prison and he's got to break out. Like it looks like, you know, like this prison looks like it's it's like Camino, like where the, the clone troopers are created. Like oh, I don't yeah. know if you've seen the tra- the teaser trailers for 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 the series, but there's a pr- point where he's wearing like a like an off-white uniform. 
like it looks like a prison prison uniform. Okay. And I don't know if he's breaking into the prison to break somebody out or if he's actually got caught and like he's Luthen Rail sends someone to break him out or it's interesting. I think that's the next story arc is that yeah. he's it's going to be this prison breakout and and I'm just really curious because I do think Ferrex will be the end the last story arc of this of this particular season until we get to season two. And I, I got to assume by like my kind of also curiosity about where we're going with Mon Mothma is like, is, mm. is at some point she's going to fully, is it going to match up with the rebels cartoon where she, you know, is smuggled out of the, you know, away from the empire out, out of Coruscant to go to become the public leader of the rebel Alliance mm. with the crew of the ghost. I, I wonder, because like, I think it, it would make more sense that by this time she's kind of like, sending Andor on his missions yeah. as, as an official member of the Alliance. But we'll, we'll see. It's, it's like, I'm, I'm enjoying her journey as well mm. in this. Like and Genevieve O'Reilly is doing such a, a great job as Mon Mothma from her kind of like the fading of her idealism as a, as a member of the Senate to try to oppose the Empire that way to becoming, you know, okay, I have to help fund Luthen Rail's rebels and, and this, this and that and it's 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 i think it's just such a richly um there's so much rich material in terms of the writing and mm. and and I, I i feel like if you're an actor given this material like you're going to be in star wars but here's the kind of stuff you're going to be doing yeah like they'd be like wow, this is great this is like a proper drama yeah but in star wars and it's like i get to say these things i have to get to work with these these other actors you're like I imagine, for, like I saw Genevieve O'Reilly like saying on an interview, like she's like <laughs> the fact that she gets to do scenes with Stellan Skarsgård is like yeah. is amazing to her because he's such a well-regarded actor and he's been in so many things. Like in you know, like where what are the opportunities you get to work with Stellan Skarsgård that often, especially have scenes like dialogue scenes with him is pretty cool, you know. And then hey, it's for Star Wars. That's 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 really unique, you know. Yeah, yeah, I would completely uh, agree with that. I mean, I'd say shout out again for uh, Susanna White, director on this episode, and, and the the great Tony Gilroy scripts. Um, that there, you know, it's 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 a like it really is like what I'm enjoying about this in particular is like you say, it can go anywhere from next week. There are these different directions can see them going. I'm gonna need to go back and scan those teaser trailers again. Um, I probably didn't watch, didn't watch them in enough detail, but. Like I think overall, it's less kind of beholden to other kind of Star Wars properties and entities and other films such like. Other than it has a, a finite ending point with the beginning of Rogue One, but at the same time they've kind of got a lot of freedom and a lot of scope to tell a different type of story here. And I just think sort of kudos to them as well. They've managed to get things in there. I mean, I've seen some crit some criticism that it feels kind of like it, not. A slow, but I think that feels still very much like a kind of very much a minority opinion on this. This is generally like I'm thinking to myself, the potential for this at this stage is where it goes to this second half. How does it kick into that other gear? Do we see the political change? Obviously, with Mon Mothma and the kind of almost like the dissolution of the Senate, as a, you know, as, are we going to end up in, in those, you know, Saul, Saul Guerrero, you know, kind yeah. of working his way way back in as well so we've got all of that to look forward to got a lot of things to look forward to like i don't want to yeah. like i know it's in the trailers but if you haven't seen the trailers i don't want to spoil it for people but 
I, 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 these trailers are good in the sense that they, that they build anticipation yeah. for what's going to be coming. And like, I'm, I'm excited to see what we're going to get this coming Wednesday. It's Wednesday, this coming Wednesday. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, how, how it's going to end. We're going to, we got six more episodes left, mm-hmm. I believe, right? It's 12, 12 parter. Is it? Yeah. The 12 parter. So we got six, we got another six episodes. We got another six weeks left. Which it's going to take us into, at the uh basically into the end of november so yeah and then i'm all right if, with i think i think january february we're gonna get the mandalorian yep season three i'm excited about that and i think in between that we're gonna get this this cartoon the, the tales of the jedi cartoon mm-hmm. which i think if you want to review that i think we can review that as as a series like as yeah. a whole instead of like episode by episode because like the episodes are like like under 20 minutes each yeah we're very short yeah. so i thought we can just like talk about that after yeah, when it definitely. airs binge it and then just talk about the whole thing because i think it's very focused on like the the clo- characters we've seen before like count dooku is a big mm. part of this as, when he's a jedi which yes. is fascinating to me yeah um, oh no I'm... young qui-gon jinn his as his padawan and and i think young ahsoka as a child and like yeah, that's great like i'm excited to see, to see that the bad batch is going to come back for season two mm-hmm. um and i think 2020 you know 2023 is going to be a massive year with yeah i believe we're going to get mandalorians we're going to get mandalorian season three we're going to get ahsoka we're going to get probably i think we're going to get Endor season two probably like a tail end like the fall of 2023 like we we're we having it now season one mm-hmm. so and probably i'm assuming that they're finally going to announce some like movies like big screen stuff yeah. in 2023 because apparently ryan johnson is still negotiating is still like signed on to direct his own trilogy of star wars movies okay of what what era they're in who knows but that hasn't been killed like the the game of thrones creators their show was canceled yeah they they're like we're not doing that anymore probably because like probably kathleen kennedy probably saw the last season of game of thrones and yeah, like yeah, there, uh, like a lot of other people and and but like ryan johnson is still slated to do his own trilogy and apparently it's just a matter of timing it's just trying to figure out the timing because he is busy with the new knives out film that's just yeah. going to be released i'm like i'm excited about that i loved the first one. Oh, i am he's been paid he's being paid stupid money for this though isn't he it's it's like it's a ridiculous kind of like I know that they've put in a, a, an obscene amount of money towards it, haven't they? Netflix, but yeah, I love the first one. It reminds me of Clue, which for those of you old enough to remember that the of a film version of a board game that really shouldn't have worked and might be the best version of a board yeah. game. Brit brought to yeah, like you know Daniel. And that, we're getting to a, a nice outcome, but Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc is yeah is very much a classic like Private Eye character. Yeah, proper gumshoe stuff. Yeah. It's good. I like it. I'm, I'm excited in yeah. this, and it's like another another friendly capper, good old Dave Batista to be to be in something like this as well. He does it. He's gonna win. He's gonna win an Oscar. That's I like the so. train. I I somehow see it happening. I don't know why. It'll take some low budget indie role, and it will just connect one year, and we'll all sit there and go, "That bloke was in was Dave Batista was Deacon Batista." That's right. What is going on? Be great. But, so good career. That brings us to the end of of this episode. Yes, neat neatly into an hour as well. That was glorious stuff. But where can the good folks find you? W. Yeah, of course, over at uh, Post Wrestling. 
uh, post Perez, uh, long and winding world road, trying to line up some really cool guests for the last two episodes of this year. Um, working on that. So that's, I've been kind of occupied. Uh, we got some, uh, news, you know, about this, I can't say anything right now until it's actually done, but we got some cool news regarding some, some stuff, um, there MCU later, we just wrapped up She-Hulk. Yes. Um, and we're going to be doing uh, Werewolf by Night, me and Rich Fan, just ourselves. And then in November, we're going to do uh, Black Panther uh, Wakanda Forever with mm-hmm. myself. Myself, Rich Fan, uh, Scrump from PWT Cast. It was the original idea, but now Way can join us. He, he got a babysitter, so you can oh. go see it in theater, so you can join us for that. And we're trying to get, I think, uh, Nate Milton to join us for a five-person panel for for that so it's probably going to be seven hours long you know <laughs> what, what rich fan calls the the, the 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 will cooling effect of just yes uh making a podcast longer than it than it has to be but <laughs> he he will do admittedly i am very much guilty of, of um, those crimes as well but that sounds tremendous as well as the upcoming um post wrestling meetup at- yeah november was it i think it's the 19th november yep. 19th in new york new jersey you can go to postwrestling.com to find out more information about that uh there's going to be a live uh podcast with john way Braden, davy uh from up next uh and I, i'm not part of that i'm going to be in the audience i was either offered the option of sitting in the audience with with other people post post representatives who aren't going to be part of the podcast necessarily and and or going to the green room and just watching from there and, or listening from there and, and, and drinking alcoholic beverages. But I, I think I might try to sit in the front row and heckle. That's, you know. And then there's a VIP segment where you get to, if you pay for the VIP, you can, you can, I will, I will actually maybe talk to you. Maybe. Or, or I was thinking like, here's the thing I was thinking of and I pitched it to Way, like get, get, get a waiver. Okay. Mm-hmm. Get, get a waiver. And you pay me, you pay me directly five bucks and I will, and I will slap you in Noki style and transfer some of my fighting spirit into you. But I was thinking fighting sarcasm, you know, so big line in Newark walking towards you. And I'm not talking about like, I'm talking like that. I I get proper, like transferring some fighting spirit, some WH park fighting spirit into you. With the spirit of Antonio Noki bringing you on. That's right. That's right. Um, Brilliant stuff. Um, Obviously, you, you'll hear myself on, on Spotlight, which we were recording uh, on Wednesday this week because there's an episode of Dynamite on Tuesday night. So we, we're doing it there and then. Um, but yes, if you also want to listen to much more of our stuff, go to patreon.com forward slash grapple. So until next time, WH. Yeah, bye there. Bye there.